I pray about a lot of things, and I was praying for about three years that I'd have an opportunity that happened to me just the other day, on Friday. I was uh, able to meet a big Yankee fan in South Florida who has an extensive collection of Yankee memorabilia, and, uh, and I, I got to do something that I never thought that I'd ever do in my life. I never thought I'd have this, this opportunity. And so the first thing I want to bring to your attention is that uh, I was able to look at a box that contained the World Series ring of George Steinbrenner. Uh, it was the 1998 season, and uh, it was the first championship for Derek Jeter that year. Steinbrenner, the boss, there he is. And then it happened, my prayer came true, I was able to wear the ring uh, right there, right there next to my, to my wedding ring. I think that's a statement there, my love for my wife, my love for the Yankees. I think... I think that sort of works. Uh, all the women in here are saying, no, that doesn't work. All the men are saying, yes, I'm good with that. But, uh, so I'm wearing the Yankee World Series championship ring, and right underneath that ring is something that I got to pick up in a case and hold on to, and that's a autographed baseball from Babe Ruth, the Bambino. And, uh, and this gentleman, uh, if you can imagine it, has 50 of those baseballs. He's a big... Uh, Bambino fan. He's collected Babe Ruth baseballs for his entire lifetime. 50 baseballs. So, of course, I was praying, oh, God, please just let him give me one. Uh, this, this one right here. Now, I don't really pray for baseball memorabilia. Please don't worry about that. I'm not on my knees for, for baseballs or wearing rings. But what I do pray about is always important, and it's something that's very important to me. That's why we're doing a series now called Journey of Prayer. For the next four weeks, we're going to go through all the ins and outs and the ups and downs of, of prayer. We're going to look at stories from the Bible and principles from the Bible. Uh, a long time ago at Princeton, somebody asked Albert Einstein, is there anything that I can still do original research on for a PhD? And Einstein said, find out about prayer. Find out about prayer. I'm going to guess that there's something that you want to pray about today or something you've been praying about this week, or something after you leave here today that you're going to need to pray about or that you're going to need prayer for. I once heard Condoleezza Rice say, I've always allowed for guidance through ambiguity. I've always allowed for guidance through ambiguity. And in my book, Altitude, I, I wondered about ambiguities in prayer. Have you pondered the ambiguities of prayer? Is God listening to everything? What really happens when we pray? If God knows the heart, do you need words? What if you pray for something you shouldn't pray for? Is there some kind of heavenly prayer check filter that snuffs out wacky prayers before they hit the ceiling? What if you forget to pray for someone you said you would pray for? Is it okay to pray not to suffer? And so I'm going to teach you this morning about one thing that I wrote about uh, the chapter that I'm very, very close to in the book. It's called A Gutsy Conversation because in the end, I feel that prayer is a gutsy conversation that you have with God. And in that chapter, I talked about Abraham and a story that's thousands of years old, but a story that always takes me somewhere every time I read it. I hope it takes you somewhere today. We're going to look at the different layers of prayer after we get through the story, but let me read it to you in the message version. Genesis 18. 
God appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. He's just sitting at the entrance of his tent. He's just sitting there. It's, it's like any other day until God shows up. It was the hottest part of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them and bowed before them. He said, Master, if it please you, stop for a while with your servant. I'll get some water so you can wash your feet. Rest under this tree. I'll get some food to refresh you on your way since your travels have brought you across my path. They said, certainly, go ahead. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. He said, hurry, hurry, get three cups of our best flour, knead it and make bread. Then Abraham ran to the cattle pen and picked out a nice plump calf and gave it to the servant who lost no time getting it ready. Then he got curds and milk, brought them with the calf that had been roasted, set the meal before the men and stood there under the tree while they ate. The men said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, in the tent. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year. When I arrive, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent opening, just behind the man. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was far past the age for having babies. Sarah laughed within herself. An old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband? God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, me, have a baby, an old woman like me? Is anything too hard for God? I'll be back about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. Sarah lied. She said, I didn't laugh, because she was afraid. But he said, yes, you did. You laughed. When the men got up to leave, they set off for Sodom. Abraham walked with them to say goodbye. Then God said, shall I keep back from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham is going to become a large and strong nation. All the nations of the world are going to find themselves blessed through him. Yes, I've settled on him as the one to train his children and future family to observe God's way of life, live kindly and generously and fairly so that God can complete in Abraham what he promised him. God continued, the cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah are deafening. The sin of those cities is immense. I'm going down to see for myself, see if what they're doing is as bad as it sounds, then I'll know. The men set out for Sodom, but Abraham stood in God's path, blocking his way. Abraham stood in God's path, blocking his way. Abraham confronted him. Are you serious? Are you planning on getting rid of the good people right along with the bad? What if there are 50 decent people left in the city? Will you lump the good with the bad and get rid of the lot? Wouldn't you spare the city for the sake of those 50 innocents? I can't believe you'd do that. Kill off the good and the bad alike as if there were no difference between them. Doesn't the judge of all the earth judge with justice? God said, if I find 50 decent people in the city of Sodom, I'll spare the place just for them. Abraham came back. Do I, a mere mortal made from a handful of dirt, dare open my mouth again to my master? What if the 50 fall short by five? 
In other words, 45 people. What if the 50 fall short by five? Would you destroy the city because of those missing five? He said, I won't destroy it if there are 45. Abraham spoke up again. What if you only find 40? What if you only find 40? Neither will I destroy it for 40. He said, Master, don't be irritated with me. But what if only 30 are found? No, I won't do it if I find 30. He pushed on. I know I'm trying your patience, Master, but how about for 20? How about for 20? I won't destroy it for 20. He wouldn't quit. Don't get angry, Master. This is the last time. What if you only come up with 10? For the sake of only 10, I won't destroy the city. When God finished talking with Abraham, he left. And Abraham went home. That must have been quite a story he told Sarah. And Abraham went home. Here's what I want you to remember for the rest of your life. Prayer is a gutsy conversation you have with God. That's what it is. It's a gutsy conversation you have with God. And there's all these different layers to it. So let me peel back the layers of the story. This story, I just love this story. It's so real. It's the essence of bringing faith and life together in a real way. Your relationship with God is so significant. It's so important. It's the foundation for everything. Let me peel back the layers. Layer one. The best approach to God is face to face. As it says in verse 22, the men set out for Sodom, but Abraham stood in God's path, blocking his way. He's blocking God's way. He's looking at God. God's looking at him. The best approach to God is face to face. So here's the question. What's your face to face prayer today? What's your face to face prayer with God that you need today? Or what's your face to face prayer with God that you need to think about and then have this week? It's it's got to be bold. It's got to be gutsy. It's got to be real. It's got to have just some, some sense of, of energy to it and, and passion to it. And you've got you've to have this, this idea in your mind that you're looking face to face into the eyes of God, face to face into the eyes of Jesus, that you're bringing this face to face petition with all of that that passion that's in your heart. You're bringing it to God himself. The best approach to God is always face-to-face. It's real. There's no reason to shrink back. There's no reason to be faint. There's no reason to, to hold back because God knows it all anyway. Layer two, the best way to ask is to ask the obvious. What do you mean to ask the obvious? Just, you're doing this face-to-face thing. Ask the obvious What you see is what you want to talk to God about. What you feel is what you want to talk to God about. So what's your obvious prayer this week? And my guess is it's based something upon what you're feeling because oftentimes our feelings are difficult to understand or we we move away quickly from our feelings. They're, They're uncomfortable. But those are exactly the things that can be part of the obvious. God, I'm not sure. I'm feeling a little bit scared. I'm feeling a little bit anxious. I'm feeling a little bit uh, like I've got great anticipation, and I'm not really sure why, but, but can you help me figure this out? 
That can even be a great prayer. Can you help me figure this out, God? I'm not sure why I'm feeling. I woke up this morning and I just felt kind of down in the dumps or I just felt anxiety. There's this big meeting that's gonna happen today or I'm facing this big challenge today or there's, there's just something that is, I just feel overwhelmed. The best way to ask is to ask the obvious and most of the time, the obvious is embedded in your feelings. So figure out what that feeling is and start to craft something around your feelings. Start to craft something in a way that, that, that sort of makes sense, but it doesn't have to make sense because God already knows. You know, some of my, some of my best prayers are just, oh, Lord, that's it. You know, I, I went to like three years of seminary and then I went back for like another three years. I got six years in. This is all I got. Oh, Lord, that's it. It's one of the best prayers you can, you can have because you don't have to have the words. It's not about crafting something beautiful. It's okay to, to write poetic prayers. Sometimes I like to read poetic prayers, but there's much more reality in the oh, Lord, prayer. It's much more that I think God grabs onto when he hears that, that agony in your heart. The best way to ask is to ask the obvious. What's your obvious prayer this week? Layer three, always remember God is fair. In Genesis 18, the chapter we read, verse 25, Abraham says, far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? He knows God's fair. We don't always see the fairness because we want the fairness on our terms. In our economy of evaluation, in our economy of what we want in this relationship, in our economy of, of how we are trying to put the pieces of the circumstances together. Gordon MacDonald puts it this way. Uh, this is a book that's about 40 years old or more. Um, Ordering Your Private World. Uh, it's still one of my favorite books today by Gordon. And Gordon MacDonald writes this. But the fact is that my prayer life cannot be directly tied to the results I expect or demand. My prayer life cannot be tied directly to the results I expect or demand. I have begun to see that worship and intercession are far more the business of aligning myself with God's purposes than asking him to align with mine. This is a man who was in ministry for years and years and, and, and led some amazing Christian organizations. Uh, he had a, a tremendous fall from grace and then was restored and came back and God's used him to speak all over the world. You know, and, and he realized at some point in his life that it's more about aligning myself with God's purposes than asking him to align with mine. Where are you tempted to think God isn't being fair to you right now? Where is that a temptation? Does that have to do with something that's in your family? Does it have to do with something uh, at work, with a department issue or a coworker issue? Um, does that have to do with something that you always thought God was going to give you or do in your life and it hasn't happened 
and you're thinking it happened for everybody else. It didn't happen for me. So you're tempted to think God isn't being fair to you right now. But you see, God has this longitudinal view of our lives. He knows exactly what's gone on, where you are, exactly where you're going to be 10 years from now, five years from now, a year from now, three days from now. And he knows what he is doing because he is fair and he loves you. He loves you with a depth of love that's, that's far beyond what we can know or understand. Layer four, the best prayer is always the humble prayer. The best prayer is always the humble prayer. It says in Genesis 18, verse 27, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, Abraham, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. I'm being bold, but I know I'm nothing but dust and ashes. Verse 27 in the message, it's put this way. Do I, a mere mortal, made from a handful of dirt, dare open my mouth again to my master. So here's my challenge. Make humility your cutting edge in your next prayer. Make humility your cutting edge the next time you pray about something that you're going to be bold about. But, but let God know that, that you are submissive to him, that you want his will to be done. You're being bold. You're bringing this... this this gutsy prayer to him, but always do it in terms of humility. Humility doesn't seem to be part of our social economy much anymore. And, and yet it's the glue that holds so much together. You, you take humility out of a situation, things start to fall apart fast. Things get sideways fast. You put humility into a situation, the glue starts to pull people back together. The glue starts to to heal relational stuff. Make humility your cutting edge in your next prayer because the best prayer is always the humble prayer. Layer five. Prayer must stay out of the trying to make deals with God's zone. Prayer must stay out of the trying to make deals with God's zone. And that's what I mean by that is when somebody prays, God, if, God, if you do this, God, if, if this happens, then I will. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, 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 no. Um, you know, even though Abraham was bringing a gutsy conversation to God, he wasn't like trying to make a deal that he was going to be the beneficiary of. God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Just ask yourself an honest question. When was the last, what was the last deal you tried to make with God? What was that deal? And uh, how, how was that turning out? Not so good. Don't do it. Layer six. Sometimes prayer must be relentless. Sometimes prayer must be relentless. And I love the story in Luke 18 that kind of is a New Testament parallel to this story in Genesis 18. So it's easy mnemonic device. Genesis 18, Luke 18. You can connect these in your mind. Let me read it to you. Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. 
He said, there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks, even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, then Jesus said, do you hear what the judge corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? Jesus is saying, make your prayers relentless. So question, what's your relentless prayer today? What do you, what do you keep going back to God about and back to God about and back to God about and back to God about? What are, you, what are you persistent about? What are you relentless about? He wants you to be relentless. He wants you to be persistent. He knows what's going on. But your, relentless, your relentlessness purifies your own thought process, your own prayer process, your own spiritual growth process. In being relentless, you get down to the very core of what it is that you're bringing before him, what you're asking him for. And I think that there's a lot of relentless prayers that get given up on too easily. What's your relentless prayer today that you need to lean into? What's your relentless prayer today that you need to, to think some more about and then engage God about as you move into this week? Layer seven. Your best prayer question is your last prayer question. Remember what Abraham said? This is the last time. What if you only come up with 10? The last question is the best question because it's the one you wanted to ask God at the beginning. But for some reason you were afraid or you were reluctant. When you finally bring that trembling question out, you and God have had a meeting heart to heart. So what is the bottom line of your prayer. What's the real bottom line? Go there. Get there. Because that's where you want it to go anyway. Set aside any reluctance. Set aside any fear that's based on, on human emotion or human reticence. And just go for the last prayer. That's real, really where you want it to go in the first place. Philip Yancey put it this way. Life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. Prayer offers no ironclad guarantees, just the certain promise that we need not li live. We need not live that mystery alone. We need not live that mystery alone. And so there, there's all these things that we can't understand and, and there's things that there's 
there's unpredictable things that happen in all of our lives, and they happen seasonally, or sometimes they happen over and over again in a short period of time, but they, they happen, and you can't figure it all out. You can't figure it all out. There was a time in my life, I was, we were having dinner with some friends the other night, and the topic came up about how Gail and I met, and so it reminded me and, and reminded Gail of the, that story and I've been thinking about it a little bit. Um, I met her at a radio station in Hackensack, New Jersey. I wrote her name down on a little card, put it by my bedstand so that uh, every night before I fell asleep, I'd see her name and it would get sort of burned into my brain. Gail Rogers, Gail Rogers. My eyes would flutter and I'd fall asleep, but it was like subliminal, you know? So the next time I saw her, I said, oh, hi, Gail, and sort of really surprised her that I remembered her name. Remember that, guys. Cool thing to do. Write it down. <laughs> Memorize it. It's very important. So, uh, but then I, I started to call her to get a date. And, and I couldn't get a date with her. I could have gotten a date with her mother many times because her mother was always home answering the phone. But she was like out doing whatever she wanted to do. I could not get her on the phone. So I finally thought, memorize name or not, I'm done, I'm over. This relationship is over. We didn't even have a date. The relationship was over. Done. I pronounce it. Done. Over. I'm moving on with my life. I'm just going to go hang out at Yankee Stadium. That's, that's my life. So um, this guy that, that knew the both of us, his name was Roger. Roger was trying to, to move in on her. And so he decides he's going to ask her on a date. And he, he did, and she went, but she didn't know it was a date. Which I, didn't, I didn't know this. I just found this out like three days ago. I... <laughs> And I'm pretty ripped about it. So she goes out with Roger to Madison Square Garden to see Paul McCartney and Wings. So she thinks, yeah. So she thinks Roger's just being a nice guy. And Roger meets somebody there and says, oh, we're on our first date. And she goes, no, we're not. And then Roger's surprised, and he's shut down. And, and so then they're at an, another event, and Roger calls me, and he goes, Gail is here. He knows I wanted to ask her out. Gail is here. And... Do you want to talk to her? I said, the relationship is over. It ended. And I said, I said, yes. I thought, maybe this is it. Yes. So she gets on the phone. I ask her out on a date to New York City. The rest is history. But I could have never predicted how that was going to happen. If Roger doesn't make that phone call, it doesn't happen. If Roger doesn't make that phone call, I don't have children named Travis and Ashley. I don't have grandchildren. There's no Spring Branch Community Church. Roger, we need to celebrate Roger. <laughs> I'm going to send him a card. So, you know, life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. And prayer is the certain promise that we need not live that mystery alone. Philip Yancey talks about different kinds of prayer, childlike prayer, which is usually prayer when we want something for ourselves. Keeping company with God prayers, which is kind of like, you know, God, I kind of know that you're doing something in my life, and, and I'm here, and, and you're there, and, and I'm kind of figuring things out, and you know. And, but he goes, this is re really where the action is, submission prayer. Submission prayer. And I thought about it, and this is what I wrote about submission to define it. Submission is what I call, I'm not going to let you down, God. 
I'm not going to let you down. It's saying, God, I'm here. And if you need me or if you choose me to accomplish something or to stand in the gap for someone, I'm here. And then these two short, pithy sentences. I know I work for you. Let me know what's next. If you live your life like that, I know I work for you. Let me know what's next. Astounding things can happen. Sir, between astounding things, there's a lot of everyday stuff, but the everyday stuff is going to lead you and me and all of us into things that God's going to do with us that are amazing because together we say, we know we work for you. Let us know what's next. And that's where the action is. You know, Yancey talks about, you know, pray about your heart's desire. Pray about your laments. What are you just in agony over? Pray to confess, God, I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I, I said what I wasn't supposed to say. I went where I wasn't supposed to go. I'm sorry. I give that to you. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be better. I'm going to get back on track with I know I work for you and let me know what's next stuff. And, and, and gutsy prayer is a lot about, God, please show up in this. Please show up. Because if you don't show up, nothing really ever happens. Please show up in this meeting. Please show up when I'm taking my exams. Please show up at home because things at home are really hard right now. God, please show up on a Sunday morning and say something about my next move in my life. And when you ask God to show up, look for him, because he will. That's what he does. My gutsy prayer right now, my gutsy prayer right now is, God, what's our future look like? What's our future look like together? What's that look like? And it has to be defined by him. Although Peter Drucker put it this way, and I love this, the best way to predict the future is to create it, and he's right. You do have to create it, but in a Christian church, a future has to be defined by God and what he sees. And then he expects us to work along with him to create the future in the way he has defined it. And so as that becomes a gutsy prayer, God starts to go to work to define it and we start to go to work to create it. But my encouragement to you this morning is this. Find your gutsy prayer this week. Find it. Commit to it. I was walking down a street in New York City a couple months ago, and I passed this window, and I, I, I actually went back and, and took a picture of it later because it just stuck in my mind. Commit to something. Commit to something. Commit to your gutsy conversation that you need to have with God. And I'd like to challenge you even further by saying there are journals out at the Connection Center. If you want to start through this series, journaling your prayers, just start doing it. Just write down. Here's the date, April 23rd. Here's my first line of my gutsy prayer to God, starting right now. And then keep track of those things and, and keep writing things down and write down stuff that's coming out of your feelings that you're kind of not able to sort out, but God's helping you to sort it out. And write down stuff that's, that's about humility and, and just go out there and grab, grab a journal and start, start doing this through the series with me. Commit to it, and you'll be surprised what you'll see start to take place 
in your life as you live it, as you pray it, as you hunker down with it. Be relentless because God wants to have that gutsy conversation with you. He wanted to have that conversation with Abraham. He knew he was going to have the conversation with Abraham. And when you have that conversation, you might get an answer. It might be yes, it might be no, it might be wait, might be my favorite, grow. Grow up. But he wants to have that conversation with you. If Abraham was here today, he'd tell you. He'd tell you a great story about that. And in a way, he just did. If Einstein was here, he'd echo that. He'd say, find out about prayer. Because at the end of the day, prayer is a gutsy conversation that you have with God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us instruction about prayer today from an ancient story. Father, guide us as we commit to praying through this series. Father, guide us as we try to to understand what that gutsy conversation needs to be about this week. Father, help us to to pray for faith and help us to, to... pray out of humility, to let humility be a cutting edge in every way. Father, when life is up and down and in between, help us to know that prayer is a constant companion guiding us through the mystery. We give your lives again today, Father. In Jesus' name.